When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here. And joining me from Spain is your co-host, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from a different mother and fellow Kules. Happy New Year. Feliz Año. How are we doing? How are we doing in this 2018? I told you today, I, I took my first shower today of 2018, so things are looking up. Well, they're looking up for you, but you know, I we got back from California from the holiday, and we had all these water crisis issues in our home. One of our pipes had frozen, so our apartment manager has been out trying to fix it, and uh, he he could have fixed a little bit, but he took it as an opportunity to rip out a bunch of old pipes and replace it, and it's just taking days. So we only have water in our bathroom right now. We have no water running in our kitchen, so when we want to do the dishes, we have to get a, a pail of water from the bathtub like it's the well. Then we bring it to the kitchen sink. We fill it up. Uh, so that's what's been going on here. Plus, it's been... Um, very, very cold in Buffalo. Right now it's about 16 degrees, but apparently it feels like negative one. So that's that's where I'm at right now. And I just feel weird because we don't have water running the way it's supposed to and ugh, shoveling. Ugh. Wow. So 2018, not off to the great start that we were hoping, you know? So yeah, well, hopefully they'll get that fixed sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, it can only go up from here, honestly. It can only improve. So that's the upside of it. Exactly. I mean, that's that's what we're looking for, right? So, well, hopefully, you know, you got this this kind of uh, burden right now, and hopefully it's just going to get better from now. Yeah, I'm sure it will. But anyway, we have transfers on the brain today, folks. Uh, now that the window is open, and we haven't had a game in over a week, so what else are we going to talk about but transfers? Um, we're going to get into who might be coming and who should definitely be going, uh, but also we're going to be looking back at the biggest surprise of the season, which was Paulinho. Uh, We've pulled out some tape from this season's episodes to show you the arc of Paulinho's rise, both on the field and in our estimation of him. And we're still on our holiday schedule, so we're coming out on Wednesday. We'll be back next Monday after the Celta and Levante matches have been played, and it will be business as usual for us from that point forward. But so, let's talk about transfers. It's January, and the window is open. Of course, we don't give uh, we don't give too much attention to every single transfer rumor because there's always a lot of them. But there has been one development that we really do have to talk about, which is Coutinho. The other day, for a brief time, the Nike website was advertising Coutinho-branded Barca gear, and it disappeared pretty quickly, but it was up long enough. 
as you know, I don't really spend much time on Twitter, Gabriel. I assume you caught wind of this on Twitter. I did, and it was kind of funny because I was going to sleep. You know, I was just kind of getting ready to wind down. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to check on Twitter real quick. And all of a sudden, there was this like activity going on with the Coutinho and the Nike conspiracy. And I was like, what is going on? So, of course, you know, I go on try to you know find my legitimate twitter followers you know that i trust and i was trying to figure out what was going on and of course people were uh, screenshotting the nike ad and of course you know this caused a huge uproar because you know nike is a sponsor for barca and obviously coutinho is a nike player so it's just kind of like a backroom deal that could have happened and so everyone just had their own conspiracy theories and of course nothing's happened yet so far right so um you know I would take a little credence to this, a little bit, because it was on the official Nike website, but Nike has not made any public statements about it, so who knows if they got hacked or some intern actually hit the enter button, you know? (laughs) You know, some heads definitely rolled from this, you know? Some heads definitely rolled. And so I, you know, we're going to talk about these transfers, but I only take the truth when the official FC Barcelona account tweet that official announcement right so it was interesting you know right before that right before i went to sleep that night it was interesting to get all those conspiracy theories all those tweets for about 40 minutes and then i was like ah nothing's gonna happen i'm going to bed and that was it right but it did keep you up for a little bit now i actually heard about it from our listener luke on instagram we were talking over the possibilities and kind of like you just talked about right maybe it was a hack on nike's website maybe it's legit and there is a transfer that's pretty much a done deal and nike accidentally spilled the news or there's the third possibility which is that nike had set up that site just in case Coutinho came through and someone flipped the switch accidentally and some disgruntled intern got fired or something like that. Who knows? But if Coutinho does come to Barcelona, let's just talk about it as if it's going to happen, right? If he does come to Barcelona, either now or in the future, where would he play? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that what he offers is more in line with, say, Iniesta or or Rakitic, what they do. So I could see him rotating with those two, mainly Iniesta. Exactly. I would see that too. And, you know, first of all, I don't like this this rumor. I think it's, you know, really bad on Barca's part because I think he's just going to cost way too much money. And I know we need this player. I think he's, you know, he's got he's a very talented player. Valgreen's going to be able to fit him some way, you know, in a 4-2-3-1 or something. Because he's a player you can't deny his ability. He's, you know, he's very talented and he would fit our style. He would fit our style. However, I just don't want to pay more than 100 million euros for it. And I and I just think it's just bad business, you know. And, you know, we've we've flirted with this all summer long, you know. And again, January and again it doesn't benefit us for this season you know we pretty much have La Liga wrapped up and he cannot play in Champions League going forward and that is what we would need him for you know because especially trying to rest Iniesta so I think you have a good point there he would rotate more with Iniesta and also maybe a little bit with Rakitic but he's such a good player you just find a space for him somehow either you know Paulinho gets less time or Rakitic gets less time you just find a space for him 
Yeah, I mean, Paulinho has really worked his way into being a starter, um, as our next segment is going to sort of detail. But, you know, but Coutinho, he doesn't do what Pauly does, and it seems like Val Green is really partial to what Pauly offers. I agree. You know, we talked about his, you know, how my mom would be so proud of his hustling, you know. And it's just, he's just a different player, right? But obviously Coutinho is a younger, faster, stronger player than Iniesta at this moment, and so he would just offer that, you know, ability to play more games in consecutive at midfield. And, you know, who knows? But again, I don't I'm I'm kind of on both fences. You know, I know we need this type of player, but at the same time I just the business side of it, I just don't like how much it's going to cost. You know, it's like you know, like uh, one of my favorite all-time rap songs, MC Hammer, right? You can't touch this. Like, <laughs> Liverpool is always like, they're always just like, you can't touch this, right? Like, they just keep raising the price. Right. They keep raising the price. And, you know, remember in the summer, you know, it was like at 80 million. And now I've read today that it's up to 160, you know? It's like, it's insane. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, there's the issue of desperation, right? It really seemed like once Neymar left, Barcelona was really desperate. But now that we're having such a good season, at least in La Liga, we maybe don't seem as desperate, desperate, excuse me, and that could be a, a negotiation tactic or point to make at the bargaining table. I don't know. I don't know anything about buying and selling professional footballers. This is this is the thing, right? It's like Liverpool knows how much money we got from the Neymar transfer, but now things have changed. You know, six months ago, like you know, when we got worked by Madrid, we lost Neymar. Like it, you know our pets heads were falling off, you know, like everything was just coming to a head, you know? <laughs> and so, but now Val Green has righted the ship and we are looking really strong and it's almost kind of, we're in the better negotiating uh, part now where we don't really need, need him. And maybe we just flirt with him a little bit and then try really hard for the summer. I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I really want him because, you know, he's an exciting player, but at the same time for at that price, business wise, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Now, Thinking about this in terms of the overall squad, how would Dembele's return change the lineup from the 4-4-2 we've been seeing a lot of lately back to a 4-3-3? And if we're in more of a 4-3-3 week to week, then how much time could Coutinho expect to see? Exactly. That's a good point. You know, with Dembele coming back, it's almost like a new player that we got in this transfer window. I just think that, you know, having Dembele and if we get Coutinho, it just gives us so much more flexibility formation-wise for different matchups. And I think we can go to a 4-4-2, a 4-2-3-1, a 4-3-3, just depending on who our opponent is. And I think that's a really great thing because in Champions League, you know, when we play these higher caliber teams, the teams can't really scout for us because they don't know what we're going to come out with. And, you know, Dembele is going to, you know, I saw a video on Twitter of some of his skills and I was like, wow, I cannot, because we barely saw him. You know, we've barely seen anything. You know, he only played like two games and we barely saw any of his skill. He's still learning. And hopefully, you know, with this injury, he was able to understand the formation, see the practice, be with the coaches in the film room and just kind of get more of an understanding that, you know, when he comes back, he's going to be ready to play. So I'm really excited for Dembele. And I just think, you know, it's going to give us a lot of different formation ability and options going forward. Yeah, and as far as the to bring it back around to the Coutinho thing, once Dembele is back, I think then, like you said, you'd see more variation in the tactical lineups. And maybe then, if Coutinho does come, then, you know, he might not see as much playing time as he would have expected in the current situation, but he would probably, you know, still manage to uh, to get on the pitch. Exactly. And, you know, we have so many games. You know, that's the great thing about 
you know, with Barcelona, they have champions, Copa and La Liga, La Liga. And so there's going to be plenty of opportunities and especially you never know with injuries. And that's why we want Coutinho, because it just strengthens the talent that we have in midfield. But again, I'm, I'm yeah, and at least then we would also have a midfielder that maybe Val Green would want to play. Exactly, that's true, right? And I've heard different rumors that if Coutinho comes and Dennis Suarez gets bumped down the chain, you know, and that's probably true. But you just can't deny a player of Coutinho's talent, and if he comes, he automatically just makes the team that much better. Yeah. Now the other player on the horizon is center back Yerry Mina. He's at Palmeiras in Brazil right now with a deal to come to Barcelona next summer already in place. But reports are saying that Barca have offered an extra 2 million euros to bring him over early in this January window. And apparently Palmeiras has rejected that. So I guess negotiations are ongoing with that. Yeah, I really like this signing. I think this is the type of signing that Barcelona should go after more. You know, young players that haven't hit their full potential yet. And this would really help us because obviously center back is a position of need that we're going to need in the future. And him being 23 years old, I think with our coaching, our environment, he has the potential of being a really, really good center back. Yeah, and with Umtiti's injury and then Mascherano's before that, and who's to say the same couldn't happen with PK, then where would we be for center backs? You know, all we would have is Vermeulen at the moment. Exactly, and you know, I think that um, Mina has a, a potential to be the pairing with Umtiti because, you know, that's what you're kind of gearing for. And I think that would be a really, really nice defensive pairing because, you know, Mina's very physical. He's a tall, agile uh, center back. I, for me, when I was looking at his um, YouTube mixtape, he's a little bit loose on the defense, you know, defending, you know, as most kind of Brazilians are. He does a lot of slide tackling, unnecessary slide tackling. So I think... You know, with good coaching under Val Green and stuff, I think he he could, you know, become an elite defender. Yeah, maybe clean up his game a little bit, not be so risky at times. Exactly, because a lot of times I saw he was he was making these kind of careless tackles when there was no need for it. And so those are the type of things, especially in La Liga, that's going to be called a penalty. I saw a bunch of uh, tackles he did that were not called a penalty, and I was like, uh, in La Liga, they would have called that a penalty. So those are the type of things with better coaching, you know, obviously training every day with Messi and those type of players. It's just going to raise his defensive awareness, and we'll see. You know, it's, I think for the price, I think it's a great pickup if we can get him now, then later. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, as far as center backs go, we do actually have a pretty good center back out on loan right now. Marlon Santos is at Nice, and he's making some appearances, not a lot. He's played in about half of their games, and he's played the full 90 in nine of his 12 appearances. So if Yerimina comes, will we then have too many center backs? Is such a thing possible? I mean, it is possible to have too many center backs, but but, you know, as we've, as we've seen this year, you know, we've had injuries, bad luck, red cards. And you, for me, you can never have enough center backs because, you know, we saw with Mascherano, you know, before he was used as a center back, it was almost out of, you know, an emergency, you know, break glass in case of emergency type of situation, you know. And, <laughs> right? and so, you know, Mascherano adapted well, but, you know, we, it's better to have these young center backs that we can groom because PK is not getting any younger. And... He's going to be on his last contract coming up probably, you know, when they renew him. And Umtiti is definitely the future. But again, there's a lot of suitors that are coming after Umtiti. And we're going to see what happens. For me, you can never have enough center backs because that's a really important position. 
Yeah, and it's hard to come by. They're hard. It's hard to find really quality center backs. Exactly, because those, you know everyone wants them. You know, it's kind of you know it's 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 such a high demand position, especially if you can get these young guys and you can coach them up. Because a lot of these center backs that we have are really good with their feet. You know, like I was watching Yuri Mendy. He's very good with his feet and. That's something very impressive now that's switching as a center back position. Now, he just needs to get tighter on his defending. You know, I don't want him to be like a David Luiz who's just carefree and passing but doesn't know how to defend, you know. And so we'll see. I'm, I'm, I think this would be a good pickup. I hope he comes in this window because then he can adapt and have this whole year to adapt to the Barca system and Val Green's defensive um, tactics. Yeah, and to make an analogy between center backs and or football and music, as I sometimes do, center backs are like bassists, right? So if, if any of you out there listening want to get into playing music and you want to get into more bands, the thing you should do is play bass because every band is always looking for bassists. It's like the hardest thing to come by, and if you play bass, you can instantly be in like four or five bands. So I feel like center backs are like the bassists of football. If you're a decent center back, you can get work. Exactly. I mean, I think about our legacy of center backs in the last 20 years. You know, we had Puyol, uh, who was steady, was, you know, pretty much always the starter, you know, and that's really hard to come by. I mean, think about other teams that you've seen or followed, and they just have almost a revolving door of center backs. So it's something that I feel like, you know, um, you always need to kind of stockpile and just have enough. And it, and this season's already shown us that, you know, if we didn't have Vermalen and, um, you know, him there, he basically saved the season. You know, him playing, being fit enough to play and to have good performances. Yeah. So incoming players aside, the larger question for me and for us, I think, is which players should the club unload? So there are five players who really haven't figured a whole lot in Valverde's tactics, either through injury or they just haven't been chosen much by the man. And first up we have to talk about is Rafinha. Had he been fit at the start of the season, I think he could have worked nicely into the squad. But, you know, that knee of his just kept causing him problems. He had to have another surgery. And now that he's gotten the medical all clear, what's going to happen for him in the short term. Well, today I read that Valencia is making a push for him. They want him to on a loan with an option to buy. And I think they should let him go because I don't think he's going to have too many opportunities this season. I think it's kind of too late. So I think letting him get more playing time with another team and evaluate his status at the end, I think that's the way to go with this. And I know it's a rival uh, La Liga team, but I think it will be okay. And we'll just see... What happens? And I, I think they should give him the opportunity to go to another team. Yeah, and I've read that he wants to get playing time pretty much anywhere he can so so that he can get on the Brazil national side for the World Cup. And, I mean, even if Valverde wanted to play him, he would probably get more time on loan at another club anyway. And, of course, I'd love to see his comeback from injury be a success and to see him become a regular starter for Barcelona, but that's probably not in the cards for him this season. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that's the thing, right? If you're a player and you've kind of seen the writing on the wall, you just want to get more playing time, especially since this is a World Cup summer and everyone is pushing to get onto their national team. So I would say if Valencia makes a good offer, that Barcelona should pull the trigger and let him go. Yeah, now... Here's two players that uh, have had some playing time, but uh, one of them started off looking 
good, getting some appearances, and then uh, haven't seen too much of him lately. And the other one, we've been seeing more of him lately. We've got Delafeu and Vidal. What do you think about those two? Well, I think what Delafeu with Deuce is, um, I think that Inter Milan's been showing a lot of interest. I think he should go because I think he will find more playing time there, and I think it'll just make him develop his game further. With Vidal, I'm kind of hit or miss. If he goes... It won't bother me if he stays. It doesn't bother me at all either. So, again, it's 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 basically about the money, right? So if Inter comes in with a really nice offer for both those players and Barcelona thinks that's a good opportunity to take, I think they should just let him go. Because, you know, Vidal's been in and out of the, the, the team in the past couple games. I mean, obviously he scored the third goal in the Clasico. But overall in the season, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't miss him that much. yeah you know well okay so for deuces i i had really hoped that he could have had better performances this season at barca uh, but and he still isn't a lost cause since he's still pretty young but it doesn't look like he really has valgreen's confidence and if he's going to improve he needs to play more inter or some italian side would probably be a good chance for him to get more playing time but i also like what you said about vidal if he stays okay if he goes okay because every time vidal comes on I'm a little disappointed. I mean, he's fine, but he never stands out for me as anything special. He seems like like filler. He's had some good moments and not a lot of playing time, so maybe I'm being a little unfair to him. But when he's in the lineup or getting ready to come on, he just doesn't spark joy for me. I would agree. You know, he's just like, he's almost like, uh, I, I don't know, like a fine player, right? Like he's like a professional, but he doesn't do anything spectacular and, you know... He's just he's just there. So I like it. He's a filler. So I feel the same. You know, I feel the same. Like I see him, I'm like, ah, it's Vidal. You know, I was like, eh. But I again, like if he goes, eh, you know, sure. If he stays, sure. I mean <laughs> what are, Yeah, I think either way we'll be fine. Exactly. I mean more importantly for me, I want Deuces to go play somewhere else where he's going to be a starter every time and he's going to be able to really develop his game. I think he needs that. He just needs to find a team that's going to let him start. But he also has to show maturation in that as well. You know, he's not going to have too many opportunities anymore going forward if he goes to another team to come back to play for Barca. Yeah, he'd have to really take that opportunity to step everything up if he wants to come back to Barcelona, if that's important to him. I think he has the talent. He just needs to show a little bit more drive or I don't know I don't know what it is I mean I I feel like Deuces is kind of like the sort of player where you see all this talent all this potential and then he doesn't deliver and that's a situation that I can very much sympathize with (laughs) but but I but but I, I sometimes feel like he's sort of like this this puzzle to try and decode or something so I don't I don't know exactly what the the deal is with with Deuces I just um I I would love to see him come back to Barcelona and start, but he's just he hasn't really put in the performances that that we would hope for from him this year. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I think the board is kind of disappointed in him as well because you know he's a cheaper player, and if he was de- you know developing better or playing better, then he's a player for the future. But again, we've talked about it. You know, I think because from such a young age, he was always granted as the the next Iniesta or the next big time player from La Masia, right? So he's always had a very I don't know, like a easy path to success, right? Because he was so much more talented. But now when you hit this level after 23, every player is talented. You just have to, you know, differentiate, differentiate your way somehow with better moves, better work ethic, something, you know, this is how you have to do it. So again, we've talked about, you know, his ups and downs. I personally 
would like to see him develop into a better player so we can he can benefit Barca, but he needs to go somewhere else and get more and more playing time. Yeah. Now, the second to last one, but probably the most obvious player to unload would be Arda Turan, right? Exactly. And, you know, we were, we were doing our show notes for this, and I just have here, I love the internet so much because I love, <laughs> I love when they do memes and stuff like that. And we posted in the show notes, Arda Turan, and apparently he posted a photo on New Year's Eve, and it's him looking like, a, I don't even know, like a Vogue catalog model, you know, with these, you know, with leather gloves. And someone put, I think it was Total Barca, they put Arda Turan apparently spent New Year's Eve disposing a corpse. <laughs> yeah, because he has that really pensive look on his face, that kind of mysterious look, and he's holding his hands in the leather gloves, and he's in a park where it's snowy, and he's got the leather jacket and the leather gloves, and he just looks shifty. He does look like he just disposed of a corpse. It's like he could be a professional footballer or a henchman from Taken. You know, like it could go, <laughs> right. it can go either way, right? So, but obviously, you know, the Barca board, if they. If, if anything comes from this window, if they can unload Arda Turan, I would consider this a success because this guy is just wasting space. He's not – like, I, you know, I've read so many rumors today. Like, I have here – he's been involved with rumors, right, with Galatasaray, you know, back in Turkey, AC Milan, Arsenal, and even my youth AYSO soccer team. Just about everyone, <laughs> right? Like, just about everyone. And apparently – no one wants him, right? Because he's too expensive. And so Barca just needs to lower the transfer fee and just see, like, here you go. And we'll also include, like, you know, a bag of soccer balls and some cones, you know? Like, and <laughs> just take them off our hands, please. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, he's been plagued with injuries this season, but even in those brief windows of health he's had, he hasn't even been on the squad. So clearly, Val Green has no intention of putting him to work. And so he should absolutely go somewhere else where he could play. You know, I mean, in a way, it's it's a shame because he is a good player. And it's a shame when a player who's worked so hard to get to that pro level is just left out of his squad. It's one of those things where, like, he came to Barca because obviously of the opportunity and the money. And I can't, you know, be mad at him for that. But he definitely should have stayed at Atletico because he was such a pure Atletico Madrid player. You know, he at that moment when he was playing, he was a hard worker he understood Simeone's tactics and so forth, and he got a lot of playing time. But here in Barca, he's just not that type of player. And, you know, from reports that I've read and stuff, he's kind of a lazy player, and he hasn't wanted to come back from injury because he's getting paid. So there's a lot of conflicting things. But if the board can get rid of him, I would deem this whole transfer window a success because he's had to leave last summer, and we couldn't offload him. They just need to lower the, the transfer fee to almost nothing and just give it back to Galatasaray, you know? Thanks for nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah sorry it didn't work out, buddy. Um, now, our last one, this is kind of a sad one, but, you know, these things happen. Uh, Mascherano, right? He's been a great player for seven years at Barca, but he's had injury troubles lately, and he's just getting older and probably can't compete at this level anymore. He's 33. So we're probably going to see Mascherano head out the door this, this January. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be headed to China. And, you know, I have here... You know, it's it, he's one of those guys that at first I wasn't like a huge fan of him. You know, he was just for me just a normal player or whatever, but you know, in the last years with Pep and when he had to become a center back, he was just a great teammate and I can't fault him for that. You know, he's just a great teammate. He he does whatever the coach wanted him to do and he did it. And he did it all for the name of the team. And for me that's just a great, you know, you can, that's it's like an intangible, right? Like he's just a great 
guy, it seems like, you know, that he would do that because most players would have said, I'm a defensive midfielder. I'm not adjusting to be center back. But he saw kind of the greater good of the team. And it is sad to see him go. But again, every player ages, gets slower, and, you know, he's not going to get any more playing time as much, especially with Vermaelen playing the way he's playing and Umtiti coming back. And so there's going to be no spots for Mascherano going forward. Yeah, and especially if we do, in fact, get Yeri Mina. But, uh, I mean, Mascherano had said earlier just this year that this would probably be his last season at Barcelona. But I just want to say, you know, the fact that he came to Barcelona from Liverpool, converting from a midfielder into a center back, he helped us win a lot of trophies. And whenever he was on the pitch, I felt good. I always felt like he was there for us. And so I just hope that he gets a, a proper farewell. You know, maybe not at the level of when Xavi left, for example, but some kind of ceremony or, or something because he's, he's done a lot for Barcelona, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, he's like one of those players, you know, he wasn't flashy in his skills, but he was just the bulldog, right? He's just the bulldog, and he was just never quit and just a great teammate. And, you know, he's one of the great players that will look back on one of the teams of Pep, you know, in, you know, I, don't, I forget when he came in 2008 or 2009, something like that. But he, you know, when I think of center backs and Champions League performances, you know, I can always think fondly of Mascherano's performances. Absolutely. One of our favorite things about doing this podcast is getting you, the listeners, involved with it. If there's something about FC Barcelona you want us to talk about, let us know by going to barzatalk.net and find the contact page or use any of our social media channels. And if you like what we're doing here, consider sending some money our way. We don't do special episodes just for patrons or anything like that. Everything we make is free to listen to. But if you do feel like you want to help out the show, go to barzatalk.net and click on the support tab at the top of the page. Thanks. Now, we want to look back on the most unlikely story to have developed this season, which is the Paulinho story, or as we like to call him here, Pauli. In a summer transfer window full of rumors of signing Philippe Coutinho from Liverpool or Jean-Michel Serhi from Nice and the stunning loss of Neymar to PSG, Paulinho was the first of two new signings when it was all said and done, and it was not a signing that filled many people with hope, certainly not us here. At best, it raised some eyebrows, and at worst, it was met with some genuine contempt. Here's how it went on Barca Talk, episode 39, when it first happened. Shifting gears a little bit, what are your thoughts on the uh, Paulinho signing? I, I, I hate it. I mean, I hate it so much. Uh, he's not even that good. I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, wh- 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 when is he going to play? Like, when is he? Wh- where is he going to play? That's the other question. I, I just don't see it at all. I was watching videos again because i'm like okay maybe i'm i'm really biased because of everything i've been reading on twitter and on social media about how bad he is but he doesn't do anything he just plays midfield and all his highlights are like from the world cup when brazil won you know the early rounds when they were beating teams and he was doing like these back passes and all these things and i'm just like great that's that's not what we need right now so you know he's he's supposed to be a midfielder right so but we're, he's not going to take Rakitic's position he's not going to take Iniesta's position or Busquets so he's going to be riding the bench at 40 million transfer fee it's ridiculous it is completely ridiculous I'm I loathe this decision so much and it's just like is this supposed to be our splash signing seriously like I mean come on I don't think so I don't think it's supposed to be a splash signing. I mean, and and honestly, I'm not too familiar with him as a player or his career, but I watched some highlight reels also. I figure, you know, if he wasn't doing too well at Tottenham and went to a Chinese club, even if he has a lot of skill, there might be something in his attitude that just means he really isn't the most competitive player, especially at his age. He's 29. 
Uh, so he's already kind of moving towards pasture. You know, I certainly don't think he was signed to be a starter or a core part of the squad, but just an extra set of legs, I guess, to come off the bench when needed. You know, I mean, Barcelona does have a fairly demanding schedule at times between uh, three different competitions. But, uh, yeah, maybe he's just supposed to be like some extra legs when they need it, giving a little more depth to the midfield. But for that, I, I really think the club absolutely overpaid at 40 million euro you know yeah and it's it's again everyone knows we have all this loot you know and everyone just wants a piece of it and it's ridiculous it's just you know you got to be smart here right you know you gotta it's just like real estate right buy low sell high right not the opposite don't be a sucker yeah exactly and it's like everyone says you know when everyone knows you have a sack full of cash they're gonna be (laughs) trying to get you to open that sack up yeah this 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 inspires nothing for me this is like you know it's like almost getting like a new uh ball boy or something I i don't know it's just like what is he gonna do nothing great in the week that followed paulinho was unveiled to a lukewarm reception and in episode 40 we were still in the camp of the skeptical paulinho your favorite signing of recent months uh, was unveiled last thursday at camp new and uh, his lackluster display of mediocre juggling ability invited a slew of comments and memes of disappointment and dismay on social media so <laughs> tell me tell me gabriel how do you feel how do you feel about that <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, that 24 hours was probably, like, really, really bad because not only did we get shelled by Real Madrid, but we also then, like, we're like, oh, look, we have Paulinho who can barely string five juggles together. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And I know maybe he might have been nervous and so forth, but come on. It's like, and first, and who went to the Paulinho uh, unveiling that's what i want to know like how, there wasn't that many people that went there but still like i think it was only the press really oh, okay okay i don't think any fans went there and i heard that so far they've <laughs> they've sold all of one paulinho jersey at the store and, uh, and, and, and they gave the, the guy it for free too right then they give it to him for free that's what i heard yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i feel bad for him because obviously like he you know it's probably a dream come true for him you know he's playing at china league they sign him here but he's just you know there's gonna be a lot of pressure on him I don't even know if he's really going to play that much. That's the other thing. But again, like we said in the previous podcast, it's 40 million euros. The fourth most expensive Barca signing in their history, which is ridiculous to even think about. This person's not even going to play. But after a few weeks, Paulinho was starting to make a real impact on the team, and he scored his first goal against Hatafe. This is from episode 44. It was so classic because people are like, oh my God, Paulinho's coming in, like the reaction on Twitter. And there's like, what if he scores the game winner? And of course, people are like flipping out, right? So, you know, everyone knows my opinion about Paulinho. I, you know, I'm, I don't know, I, I'm mixed, you know, because obviously he hasn't done anything bad for Barcelona and he just won the game for us. But still, I, I think I've just still not upset but just torn about it just the way we got him you know and like we talked about before he's on Barcelona so we should support him if he keeps having these type of performances then obviously you know he'll win my heart so right and again I I I keep coming back to this I don't think it's so much Paulinho that we have had issues with like you said the way he came in and really the people behind the fact that he that we that, that he was signed right we're talking about the board you know we're talking about Bartomeo and the sporting directors and that sort of thing um even though like you, you you were more negative about him as a player in general than I was but I guess you just had you knew more about him but yeah like you said so far he hasn't done anything bad he has a fairly specified role at this point uh he hasn't started yet he's not really a starter he's 
He's a uh, someone who's going to come off the bench and you know create a different situation. Polly continued his run of good form, scoring and making one assist in the Ibar match the very next week. So this is from episode 45. So I'm going to talk about Polly. You know, I thought he was a bum. Turns out he's not a bum. Not not entirely at least. And you know it occurred to me during this game cuz he had a really good game uh, against Ibar. Um that haters I think if if haters are really fans of the club then they actually want to be silenced. They want to be proven wrong in, ultimately. Now the thing about Paulie is he's not always going to give great performances, I don't think. But in this match, he was in the right place at the right time and making all the right decisions a lot of the time in that game. So, you Gabriel or anyone might still be a naysayer to Paulie, but you have to admit he was involved in a lot of success of that match. And you got to hand it to him on that dummy. So 52nd minute, he lets the ball run through his legs to Messi, which set up the shot, which was then saved, but rebounded for Dennis and, and Dennis got, got his goal. And I should give honorable mention to Dennis because, because on that goal, Dennis was just creeping in unmarked, you know, on the far post. And when he got the ball, when it came out to him, he knew he had time. So he picked out his shot, put it away so beautifully, had great composure. So you got to hand it to Den- Dennis on that one also. Yeah, so Paul definitely had a strong game in, in, in that match. Um, his link-up play with Messi is evident. You know, I don't know if it's just the natural Brazilian flair he has of just instinct to let, you know, like especially on that, that dummy run. Um, you know, like I said, when we signed Paul, it was the two things for me. It was the amount of money that we signed him. Well, actually, three things. The amount of money that we signed him, his age, and also he didn't fit our style. But obviously, we're seeing how he's going to be incorporated into the match. So when he's in the match, we're, we're probably not going to be in a strong 4-3-3. We'll be more in a 4-2-3-1, which is great because it just uses his strength, his physicality, the way he just is more direct, these type of things. And he's not afraid to shoot, which for me, is always a positive. So as we saw in the Hitafe game with that uh, with that great shot. So again, uh, I want him to do well because I want Barca to win and to be successful. So, uh, you know, but at the same time, I don't think, um, you know, it's still early in the campaign. I'm going to support him because he's on my team. So keep doing what you're doing, Paul. We had gotten used to seeing him mostly in a substituting role, and while we still had our doubts, his performance in the athletic match was really where it started to turn. He played all 90 minutes, scored a goal in this match, and here's what we had to say about it just after that match in episode 50. Brian, I can't, I can't believe I'm about to say this. You better you better mark this in Barca talk history. Okay. I, I was actually glad that Pauly started last night. <laughs> <laughs> You were so relieved to see Polly in the lineup. I, I mean, I'm serious. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but it's true. Because Athletic Bilbao, especially their forwards with Raul Garcia and others, and just the team in general, they're almost kind of like a team. Like I used to play in basketball. They're a team that just throws bows, elbows, like left and right. You know, when you go for a header, there's an elbow in the back. When you go over here, there's an elbow in here, you know. And Polly. 
You know, he's physical specimen, man. Like he gives us that strength in the middle that we normally don't have. And he was contentious. And you can see that Electric Bilbao was not used to his strength and speed and ability. So, Brian, mark it down. I was I was glad that Polly played last night and started. All right. Episode 50. <laughs> For the first time, Gabriel is glad Polly, Polly was in the lineup. Just two weeks later, Pauly came on for Iniesta in the 59th minute in the Leganes match and scored one goal from episode 53. It's uh, it's my favorite player of the year so far, Paulinho, coming up aces with another goal. You know, I can't believe this guy. This guy's my favorite player now. I'm going to get a Paulinho yeah. jersey for Christmas. Uh, but no, but, you know, that goal was like almost like a perfect um, – hockey slop goal you know what i'm talking about where it's just like where sticks are poking and and uh you know you don't even know where the puck is and all of a sudden boom it's in the net and that's what it felt like um when i was watching it you've seen all the action you're seeing all this going on then all of a sudden you see paul you know just stuck out his big toe and there it goes in the back of the net and yeah so great so again paulinho coming in as a second half substitute i think that really suits him because like we've always talked about his physicality he has an attacking prowess, aerial presence, all these things that in the second half, if you're playing defense for 80 minutes against Barcelona, and all of a sudden Bar- uh, Paulino comes off the bench and on a corner kick, you got to defend him. It's like the last thing you want to do. And then he scored two in the Deportivo match, the last match before the Clasico. So this is from episode 57. Yeah, he did a really good job. And of course, Pauly was over on the left most of the time. So as far as like our theory that p- starting Pauly is meant to you know, help out Vermaelen with central defensive duties. That it, it, it wasn't really helping him too much in that respect. But he looked good out on the left. He was playing in a slightly different role than what we assumed his role is. Exactly. And, and yeah, Paulie had a good game, especially, you know, he had two goals. And, you know, my mother would be really happy with his effort, you know, because he just hustles, right? Like his goals are just because he follows the play all the way to the end and he sticks out his big foot and it just goes in. You know, it's if other players don't make that run, you know, the defense just gobbles that up. And so Paulie, my mom would probably give him probably seven hustles out of 10 today. Wow. That's a seven on the Blanca hustle meter. Pauly was actually there to poach the second goal. And it just, it turns out Pauly is Barcelona's third highest goal scorer right now. Yeah, and he's also leading La Liga as midfield goal scorer too. So, which is crazy. I mean, think about that. Six months ago, we were clamoring for him to leave. Well, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We're like, I was like so anti-poly and look i think he has what six goals now and they're all pretty much you know he's been consistently scoring games and look i mean these this is the type of game that unfortunately we'd had the paco injury but this is the type of game you get healthy you know you just get back to your basics you get back to score and you get some confidence right before the classico and again messi had the hat trick with the woodwork today he hit the wood i think three or four times and but again, Pauly with his hustle, like he was in the right spot, and that's all due to the fact that he followed the play all the way to the touchline. If he doesn't do that, then he doesn't get that easy goal. And finally, we arrived at El Clasico. Now, episode fifty—that was the first time Gabriel even admitted to being happy to see Pauly starting, and his first time on Gabriel's man of the match was episode fifty-five after the two-two draw with Celta. But episode fifty-eight, just last week, it was the second time. Gabriel chose Pauly as man of the match and in the Classico, no less. This is from that episode. Paulinho gets a start in the Classico, right? Do you think that eight months ago, this guy thought that he would be in the starting 11 in the Classico? And not only the starting 11, but 
be important. <laughs> you, you know, we've, we've documented my, my, not hate, but my, you know, just my feelings at the beginning of the season towards him. And now, you know, especially like in this match, he was important again. And it's crazy because he's, he, he was never the ideal Barca player, but he brings something. I don't know what it is, but he brings it. And in these big games, he almost scored. And again, he's vital because he's physical and it's crazy. I just can't believe he's important to our team. Yeah, well, he just uh, we were talking early on about how he just we didn't think he would fit in that he we didn't think he would fit with with Barcelona. But he's he has somehow managed to fit perfectly with uh, the strengths that he has into the team. Uh, The fact that he's physical, he is good positionally. He gets into good places and he knows what his job is, and that's mainly to not try to make plays, but to be sort of the uh, the support player who's going to assist the playmaker. I think that that is generally his role. And then he, but he's not shy about stepping up and getting the header or getting forward and getting that second ball. And as we talked about last uh, last episode, and as we've talked about in the past, how Paulinho will just follow the play all the way to the end of the goal line. And that's one of the reasons that he's the third highest scorer for Barcelona this year. Exactly. And the other thing I heard uh, Val Green describe him, which is, I think, a great way to describe him, he describes him as surprising. He's, he's like, you know, he runs the full box. My mom would be so proud of him. He's such a great hustler, right? We talk about how great he hustles. And I think we've, we've never had that type of player that I would say maybe Keita was something similar, similar game, but Keita never started, right? Like he would spot start, you know, but Paulinho is like in this match and the other match, he surprises you with his box to box runs, his physicality. I mean, he had other, he had a header, he had a shot on goal and it's crazy because like we've talked about, he's been vital. He's been vital this year, six goals. And just having a great season. So, uh, again, I apologize to Val Green and Pauly. Like, you guys, you know, I'm man enough to change and be adaptive, and I'm fully behind him. So every time I see him, I never worry about him anymore. Never, never worry about him. Yeah, me either. And, I mean, I again, I was not as worried about him in the, in the early days as you were, uh, but... I've really come around also, and he's he's absolutely delivered. We were, at least in our hearts, we were rooting for him to do well because he was playing for Barcelona, and he is absolutely delivered. So happy to to see him on the pitch, like actually happy to see him on the pitch. What were some of your other favorite plays in this match? I mean, the other one too was the Paulinho kind of half volley. I think that was a really important play because, again, you know, Messi getting the ball, he sees again Paulinho's movement. He did he does kind of the same thing that Messi did in this play where he kind of walked around and then he surprised Ramos and he went direct. And of course Messi found him because Messi knows exactly, you know, he's he's the matrix basically. <laughs> and he drops the ball perfectly, you know, over the last line in front of Paulinho. Paulinho turns around and hits it. Obviously Navas had to make a great save. So again, Paulinho if they would have scored that goal too, I think that would have really opened up the game because then Real Madrid would have been really, really seeking it from that beginning. But again, Paulinho having another great game. He had another chance, another header that was blocked as well. So he, in the first half, he had two shots on goal. He was all over the place, creating chaos. I mean, what can you say? Paulinho, man, I can't, I can't, I still can't believe that I'm on this Paulinho bandwagon train. I just, and I'm the conductor now, you know, I'm the conductor of this train, you know, I cannot believe it. I'm definitely getting a fat head of Paulinho. Yes, it's time. I think it's time for sure. (laughs) You've really crossed over 
the line of love to loving Paulinho. All right. I mean, I, that, I'm, you know, I'm looking for some artwork for my living room. If anyone wants to make a Paulinho collage for me or anything like that, <laughs> I will definitely put it on my my living room for sure. For sure. <laughs> Again, I, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Polly, Polly's my man in match, man. Polly, <laughs> come full circle, I, I, man. I, just, I, I, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe it. I mean, everyone for me had a great match. I mean, from Rakitic to Busquets to Alba, I think everyone had one. There, I think everyone was really focused, even though there was the one o'clock start time, as I've talked about. Everyone was focused, but for me, I think Paulinho kind of set the stage. I, I think he surprised Ramos a couple times. He started the the attacks on goal with his volley, the shots. Again, the, with the, he contributed the second goal because he was in the right moment, because he hustled, because he ran from the box to box. He got Carvajal that red card, and again, I just think he is just. I I cannot. I just cannot. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's my man of the match in this Classico, <laughs> but he is. He is my man of the match. It's been a surprising development. So to recap Pauly's performance so far, he's been listed in the squad a total of 23 times in all competitions, and except for the second leg of the Copa del Rey tie with Murcia, he's either started or come on as a substitute. He's played a total of 1,112 minutes, scored six goals, making him the team's third highest goal scorer, and he's made two assists. So what can we say about Paulinho now? That Paulinho is the greatest transfer target we've ever had. No, I'm just kidding. As we can see, I mean, I, when I listen to that that arc, I'm just amazed of how, you know, Paulinho, I was definitely against the signing and how re- the most recent game in the Classico, how he was so important that he was my man of the match other than Messi. And I just think it goes to two things. I just think that Val Green has just shown how great of a coach he is to incorporate Paulinho in a way that doesn't sacrifice team wins. And I also think it's another combination of Paulinho adapting to what is needed of him. So I think it's a combination of those two things. And look, this whole season, he's been vital and we haven't lost any games. And we basically wrapped up La Liga and now it's Champions League ahead. Yeah, and so going back to the 40 million euro transfer fee, now that's really looking like a bargain. Exactly, especially after, I mean, he's already, you know, the third leading scorer and the top goal scorer midfielder in La Liga. So if he continues on this trend and continues to be important, and depending on how we finish the season, then I would definitely say that 40 million was definitely worth it. Barza Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson, and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit barzatalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at barzatalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca. Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.